Listener Production. Shares. Market. The S&P. The ISX. Stocks. This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that didn't just increase its prices for the eighth month in a row. That's probably because you wouldn't pay. I'm Scott Phillips, the Motley Fool's Chief Investment Officer. He is Andrew Page, the Chief Cook and Bottle Washer, Founder and Managing Director of Strawman.com. Mr. Page, g'day. How are you going? I'm excellent. I've got some bad news for you. Oh, no. Yeah, I don't, I don't like staying with bad news. I, I really don't. Actually, I don't, don't mind at all. But uh, <laughs> the bad news is apparently I can't call you Andrew Page Esquire. Oh, no? Why not? Well, apparently apparently it comes from being a squire, which is an owner of land. And huh. unfortunately, because you're renting, you can't be Andrew Page Esquire. I'm oh, sorry about that. It's rigged. Another, Isn't it? Another example of how the system's rigged. <laughs> The property barons are just out there to really needle you, mate. Just, just really tighten the screws. Stroking a bit. all of my biases. Right <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, look, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe being a business owner, though, I'm not sure. Maybe it's a bit outdated. Maybe we can we can change the definition, can't we? I we can go with whatever de- definition we want. There you go. You're yeah. back to Andrew Page Esquire, mate. Thank I'm you. glad you joined. I'm me. claiming thank it. You for, yeah. Thank you for doing so, um, mate. Big week. We've got a lot to talk about. Um, yeah. oh, let's just start. Hey, what? <laughs> I talk about eighth time in a row. Interest rate increases this time. Obviously, we're not putting our fees up because, um, as I said, I don't know how much more people would pay to listen to this podcast, but a few people seem to like it, and that's good enough for us. Uh, plus, listeners don't realise we just jabber on, and they're happy to produce the podcast. That's so a win for everybody. <laughs> the, uh, the RBA, eighth month in a row, 300 basis points have been added to the cash rate since May from 0.1 to 3.1%. In the relative blink of an eye, Mate, I don't know if there's anything new about this one, I've got to say. I mean, there's some factors we'll talk about in a minute as to maybe the worm might be turning. But mm. eighth month in a row didn't surprise anybody. They're having January off, of course. So there is some sense of if they didn't go now, they kind of left it two months and maybe they might have regretted it. So I feel like it was the safe option. Um, people are going to start to, well, going to start to, are going to continue to feel a whole lot of mortgage pressure. Yeah, as you say, it feels very sameish to what we've been speaking about for for a lot. But yeah, um, here we go. By the again, way, right? just just as an aside, does it mm. not strike you as is insanely bizarre that they take a month off because you know holidays <laughs> and stuff? It, <laughs> it's like the ambulance service saying, "Well, it's January." <laughs> That's right. I mean, you are running the economy. I mean, just you yeah, know, maybe yeah. someone could clock in. We'll we'll pay you time and a half or something. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Just call it, call it from the holiday house. Just, just at least. <laughs> you got Zoom these days, guys. You don't have to be in Martin Place. Just jump on the call. Say, hey, are we still yeah. good? Yeah, we're still good. Okay, fine. I actually, I agree with you, mate. I, I think it's, oh, you know what? I, I actually think it's a really good time of, if I'm the RBA, I'm actually pretty happy. Not, well, I'm happy with the holidays, but I'm pretty happy that this is happening because it kind of, it kind of I'll say air quotes, makes, close quote, them do nothing for a month rate-wise. Mm-hmm. And I kind mm-hmm. of, I, I reckon if I'm the RBA right now, I don't reckon I'm unhappy about that. I'm, I'm going to say, you know what? It's holiday, so I don't have to do anything. You don't have to tell the market we're taking a break. You don't have, you don't, there's, no, there's no kind of, I mean, you and I, I, I've ranted about the guidance they give and all that kind of rubbish. They don't have to say, actually, we're having a month off. We don't think we need to increase rates or we're having a month off because we want to see what's happening or they just say, we're actually not meeting. So we'll see you in Feb. Mm. I, I reckon if I'm the RBA, I'm pretty happy this is happening because it lets them, it gives them a breather. It gives them an excuse to do nothing. Oh, from their perspective, it's great. It. There's no, no yeah. question. Yeah. But yes, it is a little bit. You're not taking January off, eh? Strawman's not closing down for a month? Never. 24-7, 365, my friend. Is that right? What do Always you do 24-7, 365? I am, I am curious about what Strawman is. Uh, it's, oh, you didn't ask, of course. I didn't. You know, That's why I you know, you know you are contractually obliged <laughs> exactly. to do so. That's right. Lucky. Could have had, a, could have had a, uh, a reason for breaking contract, but I've, I've saved myself. Go on. Yeah, uh, well, standard boilerplate answer is that we're a yes. uh, private online investment exchange. club. Oh, that's right, private online yeah. investment club. That's right, yeah. yes. So, so close, so close. <laughs> um, yes, it's... Uh, I'm glad you are. I, I was going to mention your recent crypto uh, foray, but we might save that for the Bitcoin. I've not, forayed any, I've not forayed anywhere t- near crypto, my friend. I'll, I'll die on that hill. That's, that's oh, I, sure. I, I saw during the week you, 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 you forayed directionally in terms of some... Uh, Engagement with a particular industry or associational body, but we'll go back. Oh, to that. We'll okay, back to that. yeah. Let's come back to that. Yeah, all right. I, th- I, thought um, you, I thought you said crypto. Sorry, I, I, I didn't say confused. crypto. That's all the same thing, mate. It's all the same thing. 
Don't don't trigger me. <laughs> so, hey, that's just, what I do on this podcast. If it was not properly, it's Bitcoin. Come on, give me something. Just 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 quickly back to the to the rate increases. A yeah, couple please. of things um, worth. We probably said it, but worth repeating again. It is the fastest pace of increase. I think, or well, the second fastest pace we've seen in the modern era. So it's yeah, it's off a very low base, but in terms of of the mm-hmm. the degree of uptick, it's 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 significant. And now the I'm highest always, of the decade too, by the way, both at the same time. Yeah, right, right. I'm also very mindful, as is no doubt the RBA, of the insane difficulty with all the lag effects at play. Yeah, I, totally. forget, I forget the exact figure, but even people on variable who already signed up, it takes a while mm-hmm. to sort of bubble through the system, like, like months yeah. by the yeah. time it actually gets enacted. Like the new rates get put up straight away, but by the time, even once a decision is made, there's, there's mm-hmm. a lot of, and this is just mm-hmm. true of everything in the economy. We've often made the analogy of like it's it's like turning the rudder of a uh you mm-hmm, know a, ma- mm-hmm. a massive cargo ship <laughs> yeah. and 500 meters later the nose starts to turn it's that <laughs> it's that kind of difficulty yeah yeah and yeah. i think i think the it's still like by historical standards 3.1 percent is insanely low but at the same mm. time the mountain of debt is so big yeah. that that you don't need to go as high as you would have in the past to have the same desired out output now that's i mean you know again talking mm-hmm. about flogging uh, dead horses and, and repeating things. It, it, it just seems to me as like it's just the giant elephant in the room is that whatever whatever um, things that they would like to influence uh, mm. by increasing rates, that one thing they don't want to do is like just destroy the entire economy by, by, by wrecking the housing market. Yeah. I, I think that's right, mate. I... <sighs> I think that's where the jawbone is so useful, right? And they've, they've tried to be really, really clear with everyone. Look, this is going to happen, so get ready. They're trying to pull forward to some degree, I think, the the, the kind of the, the psychic, the emotional, the whatever, behavioral change to say, this is going to happen, guys. You better get ready for it. And mm-hmm. then the, we're, now we're going to do it. There's, I think there's, there's part of that, the old-fashioned the old fashioned Glenn Stevens jawbone as it was in the day. The other thing, mate, I am still very nervous about is the resetting of fixed rates in a couple of months' time. Yeah. I, uh, you know, as ever, there are individual implications and, and, and systemic implications. Um, I have said before, I'm sure I've said in the podcast, I've written about it a couple of times. Uh, I, I've called it GFC Mark II, not to, well, partly to scare people, just get a bit of interest in the headline. Um, turns out, might as well some clickbait stuff. I know that's unusual, but it t- turns out that's what we do. Uh, so, uh, so I wrote a headline that I hope people will read. It's a while ago now, actually. If you can just, I think if you Google GFC Mark II, Scott Phillips, you'll find it. Um, but but exactly you know back in the back in 2007 2008 you know the the, the causes of the subprime crisis were crappy lending mm-hmm. and i don't think it's the, i think it's, it's obvious lending standards are better in australia than they were in the us at the time the old ninja loans no job no asset loans um surprise mm-hmm. surprise that doesn't work out well yeah. who would have thought yeah. so so we're better than that but if that was the cause the catalyst of what ended up being the subprime crisis and frankly the credit crunch the entire gfc or as the yanks call it uh, the great recession was the resetting of those mortgage rates when they went from those teaser honeymoon rates to normal variable rates. Now, in this case, they weren't teaser rates as such. There was no intention that they be teaser rates or many borrowers who locked in fixed rates at 1.89, 1.99% only, what, eight, nine, ten months ago? Yeah. Maybe a little longer. They're going to start resetting from April, May this year. Mm. And, you know... It's a big they're jump. Not be paying, well, they're not going to be paying more than anybody who's had the progressive increase. So it's not mm. like it's, you know, they're not getting... But, it's the size of the jump. It's the boiling frog thing. Mm. You know, to your point about, about low is saying, okay, here we go, up a bit, up a bit, up a bit, up a bit. Get used to it. You know, kind of mm. lock in. Okay, it's painful, but okay, you got it. Okay, now you're in front of it. Good, good, good. Here we go. When you reset from 1.89 to what, five and a half in one month, literally month one, you're paying 1.88%. The next month, you're paying something like two thirds more mm. in your repayments, thousands of dollars more all of a sudden. I don't know, yeah. mate. I, uh, I'm, 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 I'm scared for those people, and I'm, and I'm mindful for the economy that if they haven't right-sized their lives, there's going to be either a whole lot of people. Well, uh, possibly nothing happens, right? Possibly everyone just absorbs it and we're fine. Hopefully that's the reality. Mm. But you could see a situation where either you get a fire sale of property in March, April, May, where we go, oops, we can't afford that. We better sell it now. Mm. Or the reverse, you get, or well, not the reverse, but the alternative, which is you then get some desperate sales in June, July, August. We'll do it for a couple of months and go, this this is not doable. I can't do this anymore. Mm. I'm going to have to sell. Um, and or foreclosures. It's a, it's, it's not, I said, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not a, a scaremonger, you know, I'm not a doom and gloomer, but I am concerned that if the market's not ready uh, and the people aren't ready and the system's not ready, it's, a, it's, a, it's, n- it's not an inconsequential risk 
I think to the to the economy and what might happen in 2023. I'm trying to desperately trying to find the figures. You might know what is the percentage of people who are going from fixed to at that higher rate in terms of that is a very good question. Number man. of mortgage holders. I have I have read the figure in somewhere and I, it's not. I, I want to say it's somewhere between sort of. Oh, you know, twelve and eighteen percent, somewhere in that kind of high teens sort of vicinity. Yeah. Um, which, on one hand, you can sort of say, "Well, you know, yeah, but most people are fine." But it, but, yep. but again, you know, prices are determined at the margin. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It sets the the, the sentiment um, in a more, yes. more wider sense. It, it, yeah, it can it can be more significant than you think, especially then you've got to add in well, what. What other segment of, of people are, are negatively geared? You know, what other yep. percentage of people are in negative equity? There's a, a whole bunch of things. It feels as though when you sort of add it up, and you want to broadly label thing, the you know is in close to people are close mm-hmm. to the edge. <laughs> yep. yep. It would feel as though it's you're talking about a quarter or a third. You know, mm-hmm. and I'm not talking necessarily right on the very brink, but sort of getting mm-hmm. within you know, an uncomfortable distance of. I don't know. It seems. It seems. <laughs> worrying we're not yeah, we're not so a very we're not a very anti-fragile system at this at this point in time because the, the the when the the trouble with with so much debt and there's nothing wrong with a bit of debt but with so much debt mm-hmm. um it is you need a certain level of growth to make that all work and without the growth mm-hmm. it all folds in on itself and so the, what, what i tend to remind people is because it's easy, easy to get into conversations about housing prices <laughs> crashing and the rest of it <laughs> yeah is that just going sideways is going to be a disaster for a lot of people. Mm. Um, you, the, the debt just will, it needs, without, while with, not only does it need growth, it's fantastic with growth. It's, it's the best thing with growth. Yep. Um, it's yep. more on top of more, but it's just, as soon as that starts to slow down, that's when things get very precarious and it's the unwind mm-hmm. that, is, that is the real disaster. Um, you know, of course, for people who are just living in their houses and, and have bought for the utility and have yeah. done with a sensible bar, they'll be fine. I mean, it's not going to be a fun experience. but And for from others, it'll be an opportunity. But it's mm-hmm. it, for people who have pushed it closer and closer and closer to the edge, yes. gosh, man, it's going to be it's going to be really harsh. Yeah. I've just got some numbers, mate, from the always excellent Shane Oliver uh, via AMP and ABS. Um, in January 2020... The share of new home lending, so not total mortgages, new home lending is the numbers we've got here, uh, was about 11 or 12%. So it's, it, there's no scale on this. I mean, it's 0 to 100, but I can't see exactly. So it has slowly declined from maybe 15 to about 11 okay. or so over the previous year. Yep. At January 20, it then goes up almost, not exponential's overdone. It's almost, it's a pretty straight line though. By July 2020, it was over 30%, probably close to 35%. By July 2021, it was probably close to 42 or 45%, something like that. Wow. Uh, of new loans. Now, right now, it's wow. back to 5.5%. Okay. So it's, I, we, can't, we can't describe the graph. It's very, very hard. But imagine, you know what it almost looks like? It almost looks like Uluru on its side. You know the side view of Uluru? Mm-hmm. So you get this flat land that goes up and then kind of bumps along the top and then comes back down again, um, that fixed proportion. So have you got that kind of that kind of idea in your head? Uh, listeners, I know it's hard on audio podcast. Um, it got massive, mate. It was, yeah, so close enough to, you know, within sight of 50% in, in July of 2021. That's yeah. the stuff that, you know, one year fixed, okay, a year's time. Two or three years fixed, okay, maybe you've got a couple of years. So mm. it's not going to come all at, all at once necessarily. Um, but it's just a, it's just a big deal, and it's just something that really does, can you know, it, it does bear thinking about that the impact that might have. I don't know. There's a so what, honestly, mate. I don't think at an economy level there's anything we can do. Uh, at an individual level, I hope there's a so what. If you are on a fixed rate now and you're listening to this, please, for the love of God, um, work out what you're going to be paying when your rate stops and start putting that money aside. You can't necessarily pay it because it's fixed, which is fine. But put that money aside every month. Get used to living like that because seriously, you're going to have to do it at some point. Um, and sticking your head in the sand is not going to be very useful because the person who drags you out of that is probably going to be a bank manager. And at that point, you're in all sorts of trouble. So just do, do me, do yourselves a favor. Um, really, really, really work hard to get yourself in a good place for that if and when your mortgage is about to reset at some point in the next 12 or 18 months. I, I, I'll go full circle and say I think the, the takeaway is it's reinforces my view and these things are always so impossible to predict so i'll always have egg on yeah. my face but it reinforces <laughs> my view at this point that the, cent- the central banks will pivot because they kind of have to pivot because as we've mentioned before there's there's two paths yep. ahead of them one is yep. one is just sort of bring the economy to its knees mm-hmm. the other is let's just live with a much higher rate of inflation than we're we, yeah. we're used to 
And so I, I think they will. So I think if you are mm. uh, someone who's servicing a pretty large mortgage, I think you, you, you again, I wouldn't, wouldn't be making wild bets on it because it's still not going to be a great please, situation. Yeah. <laughs> still, <laughs> exactly. By the way, it's still going to be bad, yeah. but you want yeah. the debt to inflate away. Um, yeah. Yeah. You, want, you want to just, uh, I mean, they're both, they're both, forms of loss inflation is yep. a form of loss it's a yep. form of yep. theft right let's yep. be let's be frank about it it's just that oh, it's just a more gradual a little hard that gets okay. conspiracy theory level well, but no, I, I know, okay. you're right i take your point but I you know what i mean it's it's a leakage let's say yes it's a very serious uh yes, it's an erosion for sure yep but it's but it be, yep. it's your your frog in the pot analogy it is yes. more gradual and I think when you're a policymaker and there's a political dimension to this always you you were <laughs> always going to err towards kick that can down the road um, lesser of two evils, more politically palatable. Um, With an exception, so I'd be, I, I'm, I'm, I'd be preparing for a world of, I, I think, sort of four, five percent, sort of longer term over the next mm-hmm. three to five years. Inflation is is probably what it has to be. With the exception that the experience in the 1980s was exactly not that. So I, I, I don't know what they will do, mm. but we knew we do know that in the US, I don't actually know the story here. It's kind of not one of those stories that's told very often. I really should do the work so I could be a bit more useful on the on the podcast. But Paul Volcker in the US increased rates into a recession and then increased rates during a recession to get inflation exactly where he wanted it to be. Mm. You know, for, for, for your, your, your description is absolutely possible, but it's also possible that they do the Volcker thing, which is just, I don't care. It, it is what it is. Uh, no, I don't care. That's a super way to say it. Uh, I, I care, but I'm not going to change my mind. Mm. I care, but we're going to have to suck it up. I care. I'm sorry. You're going to have to wear this. This I, is what I, he did during that the period. The difference is just, it's worth pointing out that I think debt to GDP in the US was something like 20% at that time. Right. And now it's 120%. Yeah, so right, it's, okay. I, 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 I've heard that argument before and it makes sense. It, it's just that yeah. there is, it's, it's a, the context is pretty different, I feel. Yeah, that's true. Yep. So, so directionally and in terms of what they need to do for that, I, I think they have and they've moved and they've jawboned it and they've, they've moved pretty aggressively. <laughs> yeah, they can. yeah, that's right. But it just, it, it, it can't, the kind of, it, it's one of those arguments I, whenever an argument rests on maths, it's, yeah. for me, it's a better argument. Yeah. And because we can always opine about human nature and how that's going to mm-hmm. play out, et cetera. But, but with, with this, I mean, the hard part is sort of is is working out the time frame because these things can go yeah. on for a long, long period yes, exactly. of time. And being early is, is indistinguishable from being wrong. Mm-hmm. But I, but it's it, it's kind of like my my house price argument. It, it is a mathematical one at the at the end of the day. You know, mm-hmm. if 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 prices are growing well above what what wages and um, yeah. uh, the cost of debt is, it just you know, at a, you can argue at what point it breaks, but it definitely breaks because it, it mm-hmm. you know, in a thousand years to take it to extreme level, one's two thousand yeah. times more than the other. And, exactly, and, and, and you, can't, that, you can't pay four hundred percent of your, your monthly income on, on a mortgage. It doesn't work. You just, just can't do it. it. So. Just, yeah. It's, it's yeah. a mathematical thing, and I think what yeah. and people make that argument, and they get they sort of quote unquote are wrong all the time because what they don't realize is that yeah, it's it's on that path, but you're you're talking about an arc that might play out over decades or something. Correct, correct. Yeah. Um, which which but but I, I I do I do think that it's. And it's not necessarily doom and gloom. Like we have, we've got mm. to remember of all of the crappy economic situations that humanity's yeah. lived through just over the last hundred years, we've still prospered and gotten better. And you know, we're generally moving in the right direction. So it's not mm. it's not something that's you know hunkered down into a, a bunker or anything like that. Right, right, right. And I'll add that you know, for those that have been reasonably sensible about things, these mm. you know, not that you want to sort of. Um, take pleasure in others' misfortune, but you, you can be opportunistic with a lot of this mm. stuff. What is, what is the best scenario to enter into a, a reasonably prolonged period of economic difficulty, let's say? Mm. Um, well, I don't want to have much debt. I want to have some money that I can invest. Mm. Um, and I want to be able to do that in a fairly discerning way. Uh, yeah, maybe it's something that takes a while to play out, but geez, that's that's where fortunes are sort of made in the next run <laughs> when it yeah, inevitably totally. comes. Yep, no, good point. But I, I I don't have a strong view. I I still have a I still have a view. They'll push inflation down further, and I think you think they will. Um, in either in either sense, though, um, I am not so sure. The tightening cycle, to use the horrible jargon, mm. I'm not terribly sure there are many more rate rises to come. Mm. So. On one hand, we've seen... No, uh, I'm, I'm with you. 
Yeah, yeah. No, so I wasn't disagree with you. I was just, I was kind of just moving for to to what comes next. Um, it, despite that, whether yeah. or not they're doing it for reasons of, uh, you know, we we can't push inflation down because we're just going to kill things, or yeah. in my in my sense, yeah, maybe we're just we're both right for different reasons. But um, the worm feels like it's starting to turn, mate. The mm. retail sales were down zero point two percent. Company profits. This didn't get much reporting. In the last quarter, we're down twelve and a half percent on the previous quarter. That is a that is a remarkable decline. Um, one dollar and eight uh, combination of cheap lower prices to try and keep the you know keep, keep the, uh, the the music playing and some inability to pass on higher costs that, that mm. the whole inflation story we've been talking about seems to have come through partly in higher prices we know that they've come down a little bit from 7.3 to 6.9 we've talked about that before but corporate profits coming down you know by 12 and a half percent i think is a a reasonably underreported reality gdp was still reasonably strong at 0.6 percent but a bit less than the market had expected um, I, you know, I could absolutely see a scenario. I talk about having January off. Mm. I'm not entirely sure by the time they get back in February, uh, it may not be that there's much more to do. I, I have spoke to someone who I won't name, but um, who has spoken to some real estate agents up in Queensland who said they are really, like, they can't give product properties away at the moment. The, the, the buyers have dried up. Um, if you kind of roll this together, and again, I'm, I'm not going to do predictions either because it's silly, but I, it does seem like there are more reasons to think that those previous rate hikes, to your point about the, the, the lag, it, you know, I mean, again, another month's data could prove me entirely wrong, mm. but it's it's more finely balanced than I think it's been since they started this tightening cycle. Mm. <sighs> One to watch. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's what do you di- make of the corporate profit falls, mate? From an investing perspective, corporate profits, this is total ABS corporate profits. So it's not just ASX listed companies, but there is some sense of, you know, tougher times. Maybe they're too high. Maybe they're too low. Maybe they're somewhere in between. Maybe it's just what happens. Maybe it's just pure normal volatility. Do you do you take anything from that data either that, way? That was actually my question as to how that sort of fits into what the broader trend is. Is it coming back mm. off a bump from COVID or something like that? I'm not. I'm not sure. But but mm. but mm. in and of its own, yeah, it's 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 worrying. You know, the hard part. The hard part for all this macro stuff is is that. Even in the best of times, you'll always find mm. sort of negative data points. <laughs> yeah, something to worry about. It's yeah. stitching it all together that that yeah, is that yeah. is the that is the harder harder one. Mm, so mm, I, mm. I I'm being a little bit careful because as I've just probably mm-hmm. made pretty clear, it's it's easy to be a bit gloomy, and I probably do tilt more to the gloomy side of the mm, spectrum mm. On, on on my macro view. So when you say something like yeah. that, you think, well, yep, that fits. <laughs> so I'm very quick. <laughs> I'm very quick to go. Yep, that I'm sounds, right again. Sounds <laughs> yeah, about totally. right. But yeah. but. Uh, yeah, yeah. Again, again, we'll just repeat the, the point is that yeah. it's, it's always interesting to talk about. We're always going to geek out mm-hmm. on this kind of mm-hmm. stuff. The practical yeah. dimension to it, as always, is just make sure your financial ship is in, in good order <laughs> and, 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 and be, you know, just be prepared for whatever and, yeah. and uh, not, not try and make directional bets on, on this, the, these larger forces because you're, you're probably going to be wrong. Yeah, for what it's worth, I just to give us some context for our, for our listeners. It's the worst fall, worst quarterly fall in company profits in the last six years. I say okay. that only because I've got that number in front of me from the ABS. Um, it's year on year still reasonably elevated. It's not as bad as some of the previous troughs, and that's basically because the previous quarters were still very good. So as you say, maybe there was a bit of extra profit in the, light in the previous couple of quarters. Maybe mm-hmm. we're coming off that a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's um, look, you know, I think I don't think there's reason to panic or necessarily to worry particularly um it's just i just think it's interesting that in the circumstances that we're in given everything else that's happening a is it surprising probably not um it does tend to suggest that there is some element of either um, lower prices to encourage demand or the inability simply to pass on higher prices because mm. this is a profit number right so if costs have gone up and they can't pass them on um there's some there's some realities there i think it's probably worth thinking about hey just um, end on just end on, on yeah. a brighter note too yeah, I, let's do that. I, I say this <laughs> i guess it's just an important point to make so we've got yep. agm season sort of at the moment a lot of companies having their annual general meetings mm. and from the few that i've sort of dialed into or have, have caught up on um there's a, there is also a lot of success out there, and this is—I think this is always the thing to remember from the investment angle—is that yeah. there are always opportunities. They're harder to find, and they're mm. they're more mm. difficult to act on during periods like this. But they're still there. They're still there. Nice so when when we're talking all this macro stuff, it's all the average. 
yeah. within that there's things that are far far worse and there's things that are far <laughs> far far better and i i mm, think mm. it's it's always worth being aware of of the bigger picture stuff um but you'll you'll find some good good opportunities in in all of this kind of stuff and i'm not even talking about things that have have likewise been bombed there's, there's things that have actually held up really well over the last year um so yeah you know th- th- there's value for those who who are prepared to look for it Motley Fool Money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. We've talked about this once before, but I, I wanted to come back to it because I saw a tweet uh, this morning. We're recording this on Thursday morning, the 8th, as we always do. And the the quote was about meaningful increases in bank closures, bank branch closures, particularly in the bush. Uh, I think I've said before, I've certainly tweeted about it before, that uh, in my local area, I'm in the Southern Highlands, New South Wales, uh, Barrel, uh, the, the, the St. George and Westpac branches were consolidated to one building. Perhaps happening also in Ganadar. I think I saw a tweet, I tweeted a reply to mine this morning, saying it's happening there as well. Um, I, you know, we, we talked for a very, very long time about the end of the newspapers. And for better or worse, they still survive. I haven't, haven't read a physical newspaper in a while, but they're still around. You can still grab one. Uh, maybe a couple of months ago, I grabbed one for a Sunday, you know, crossword and, and cafe or something. But other than that, I don't tend to do that, but they still exist. And I'm actually wondering now whether banks actually beat newspapers to extinction. If you think about the, uh, tr- think about traditional industries, think about the, the idea of what do you need for a business to exist and to thrive? Newspapers don't need to be in print. They're online. We know that's happening already. And that was always the kind of the, you know, physical music shops, same kind of idea. Uh, Maybe I'm being a bit hyperbolic saying the banks will beat them to to extinction. But, you know, there's nothing about money that needs to be physical that you can't deal with with an ATM these days. There is, you know, older people who prefer to be in a branch or if you have to go, I had to go into a branch and bloody literally give my, my ID over the branch, get a check and photocopy some stuff, which is also bizarre to me. Um, I set up a new brokerage account Oh, a month or so ago. Uh, and I just put my driver's license and passport numbers in and they used some checking service to make sure I'm me and that was it. I don't know, mate. I just, it, it strikes me that, that other, than, other than community pressure, and I don't, even mean, I don't even mean community usage, I just mean political pressure and kind of brand pressure. There's surely no need for bank branches anymore. I can imagine a scenario where if we are right, if you're more right than me maybe, in terms of the economic challenges ahead and, and all that kind of stuff, you know, if banks are looking for profit growth, you can't get it through top line revenue growth. You're going to get it through cost cutting. I, I, I really don't. Other than I mean, I feel sorry for people who are listening here who are saying, you know what, I need or want or like a branch. But if I'm a bank, I'm like, well, if I'm Westpac, if I'm Commonwealth Bank, if I'm Bendigo and Adelaide, I don't. You don't need a branch. I mean, what? Short, I, I said literally short of showing my ID, um, which I couldn't believe I had to go in to do. I haven't been to a branch. I won't go to a branch. Again, I know some people like it, but if you're saving costs, you're looking at that saying that rent, electricity, staff, signage, all the stuff that goes with that. I don't know, mate. I, uh, again, the community pressure is probably going to be enough to maybe maybe have it lag newspapers, but at some point, there are no physical banks, surely. No. I'm, oh, dude, you, you, you're talking to me. I, I, <laughs> you know, I'm just, I'm just sitting here nodding, going, don't, don't yeah. use the B word, don't use the B word. <laughs> but even yeah. putting that aside, let's, let's, assume, let's, assume, let's assume Bitcoin crashes and burns. I know you don't believe it well and I don't have a strong view. So, but just even excluding that. Uh, no, even, I will I would absolutely exclude. I think, I think either way, I mean, I, I, I can't remember the last time I went into a, a bank. And, it, yeah. and when I did, it was for some moronic reason rooted mm-hmm. in some bureaucratic process that was invented in 1987. <laughs> yes, just, yes, yes, yes. I don't do it. I don't, I barely mm-hmm. carry cash with me. In, in fact, every time we need cash, it's a, I'm always stealing from the kid's money box because I just tap everything, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So I think, I think absolutely banks- You do bank, replenish it, right? Bank closure is, branch closure is, is inevitable. Yeah. And it's already it's happening. It used to yeah. be, remember in the old, the old banks used to be built with these wonderful mm-hmm. big columns and they looked expensive yeah. and they looked, and they had to, because yeah. they had to project this, this um, aura of trust if you're going to trust. But those had safes full of money, mate. I mean, the, the whole point was that you, they had these big strong rooms where, because yeah. there was no electronic option. I mean, I, I, I vividly remember the first time I saw FPOS. It was in a bloody disposal store yeah. in the Sutherland Shire. I walked in there, I saw this machine on the desk. Like, what the hell is that? That's amazing. Yeah. And then, I, but, but at the time I was still paying, you know, you put 20 bucks worth of petrol in the car, you pay your $20 note, you pull the coins mm. out of the ashtray, whatever it was. Mm. Um, I, I mean, it's been, it's been, well, I'm older than I, th- what I believe I am, but not that long and not that quick. And things move point, fast. They things do. They really, think, yeah. They and, do. and, and the, look, the banks, the banks, I think, have had a very cozy situation. They've probably been, yeah, 
uh, aided by sort of been some regulatory moats around them as well. It's a hard industry yeah. to get into. I know a yeah. company in the small cap space on the ASX, Novartis, took ages for them to get a banking license. It's, it's a big mm. deal. It's hard to mm. break into. Mm. Um, and then there's all kinds of scale advantages that they have, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. And, and <clears throat> I remember when I first started out in this game and started doing investor presentations and stuff, CBA was always my go-to example as to why you would invest in, in a mm. big blue chip mm. bank, lovely, rec- mm. re, you know, reliable recurring dividends. <clears throat> they were growing at five, six percent per year. It was just beautiful. But I think that with a bit of a vantage point now, I feel as though actually these were all big structural factors. And well, well, you know, congratulations to them. They they got a mm. good hand and they played it well. But yeah. the the potential for disruption in this space. Is is always been there, but it's really starting to get to the pointy end. And I, I, I think, I think that that if they, I think they'll survive. Banks, obviously, they will. There's a lot of important mm-hmm. <laughs> important role that they play, but it, it will far more be a, an online experience, and it will be far more a digital experience. It's inevitable. Yeah, it's it's remarkable, isn't it? I just. I- uh, yeah, uh, the, the use of cash continues to fall. I'm desperately trying to find a, a graph here. Um, here. Here's one from the RBA. Um, we are, and these are in actual dollars, per, uh, transactions per capita, so it's hard to try and describe. Checks effectively are zero. Um, debit and credit cards together, I'm just eyeballing this, are probably two and a half times the number of cash transactions. And direct debits and credit transfers, which is fascinating, is almost as high as cash now. So you kind of wow. think about that combination yeah. of those two. Uh, and the number of cash transactions has fallen probably by half, roughly, a little bit less than half, mm. uh, since 2005. Yeah. So it's not, it's not gone yet. But if you added those numbers together and kind of obviously the number of transactions has increased, so it's the, the percentages are different again. Um, but it's just, it is just amazing. Norway, apparently, less than 10% of their transactions now are cash. It's just, just a single data point. Mm-hmm. And it's, for some reason, I've got the RBI. Oh, here we go, Australia. Uh, in 2019, we were down to 27, 28%, something like that. Again, um, there's a gap between mm-hmm. 20 and 40, so I'm eyeballing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, cash, down from more than 60% in 2010. We're not even talking about, you know, 2000 or 995 when these things started to become real. Yep. Um, it just is dropping away precipitously. It's a little yeah, bit- I, I think- it, it, well, Sorry, mate. I, I, I jumped in there. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to just ask you what you think the future is for, uh, you know, bank. Again, I'll, I'll, I guess you ex- exclude Bitcoin, but bring it back in again because obviously it impacts your view of the financial system more broadly. But mm. if, we, if we exclude Bitcoin for now, I, I, I'm I, not sure this is actually necessarily even terrible for banks. I mean, if I think about the idea of closing the branches, they're, they're a cost sink for them right now. Yep. If I knew that banks were going to close their branches over the next five years and I knew that the government was going to keep their nose out of it, and they may not, uh, I, I think it's pretty good for bank profits. Quite if I'm if I'm t- talking totally mercenarily, if I'm a shareholder, I'm pretty happy they're closing branches. Oh yeah, yeah. No, from from that point of view, it, it's fine. It's 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 just that that well, obviously they're closing it because it's not it's not economically viable. They used to be very economically viable, which is why yeah. they were everywhere. They were there for that exact reason, you know. So it's yeah. just you. So with that fading, something else needs to rise, and it's it's more just. Mm-hmm. You know, as as they move more to the digital realm, it's it's going to be a more competitive space. I think that's the fascinating thing, right? Again, I, I, I don't, I'll, I'll let you I'll let you talk about Bitcoin just because I know it's it, you, I can't ask you to exclude it. That's what's <laughs> going to happen to the system. No, in terms of if that's going to impact the system, then it needs to be part of your investment thesis, yeah, or otherwise, yeah, right? Yeah. But I, I like I just because I'm older, you know, I, I worked in the Commonwealth Bank that I went to. There was two people there. They were they were busy, and there was a line of six people. And it was just stupid, and. They couldn't do some things. They could do other things. They had to call up someone to do something else. It was just, it was just a debacle. Not, not their fault, but only two. So two people, open branch, no screens, no security, no nothing, right? Because there's no cash there anymore. Yeah. When I was a kid, I would go into the bank branch with the old man and you'd walk into Westpac and it was this long, deep building. And along, you would kind of walk in from the door on the left-hand side, there was this long line of just screens. Obviously, the whole thing was screened off, security order to get in, all that kind of stuff. And there must have been, I'm going to say eight or 10 different spots for tellers. Like walking to the old RTA, the, the mm-hmm. Roads and Traffic Authority mm-hmm. or whatever it is in your state. And there would be eight or 10 different, you line up and you go to different spots and the manager was behind one and someone was behind the other. Um, it's it's hard to, impossible to explain to kids. I can't imagine trying to explain to a young bloke. You know, here's what- They had, they had their pens on the chain. Had the pens on the chain so you wouldn't steal <laughs> oh. them. So I used to, we got taught we got taught in school to fill out bloody checks and, and deposit forms. Yeah. I, remember, I vividly it's remember insane. doing that. Um, yeah. I don't know, mate. I think, uh, uh, yeah. Well, can I, I tell you? I'll tell you. I'll tell you the angle that that 
I think is interesting, well, one of the angles mm. that's interesting in this is that, so again, it's, I take it as an, I do at least, an inevitability that, that mm. money is just going digital. Um, and I'm yep. just talking, you know, Aussie dollars, whatever. Yeah, no, absolutely um, true, yes. And, and there's a lot of talk of CBDC, central bank digital currencies. Mm-hmm. So it's basically, I mean, they, they control um, the base layer of money anyway. So why not, mm-hmm. why not just create it digitally and we all just deal with that? After all, why, why do you need sort of cash? Yeah. And technically and practically, it's got all these huge advantages that, that come with its face. So it's really, when you're talking about CBDC, it's not really, you know, it's, it's wrong to sort of label it crypto or anything like that. It's just, it's just a better technolo- technological way of, of doing things. Except that it has one very, very bad aspect to it, which mm. is that it's, it sort of erases privacy <laughs> and agency yeah. too, potentially. And that's always makes you feel like a bit of a mad hatter when you say stuff like mm-hmm. that, because, well, mm-hmm. that would never happen in Australia, which is mainly, mainly true. But it would certainly happen in a lot of other places. And it would certainly possible that it might happen at some stage that's here. And whenever there's a mm-hmm. potential for something to be abused, it, gen- it generally is. You know, so here's here's your welfare payment, but you can only spend it at right. these times at these places. Or we know that you spent money here, here, and here. And you, mm-hmm. the, the argument usually goes, yeah, but if you're not doing anything wrong, you've got nothing to worry about. But I don't, I don't think, I think that's too simplistic. So I think, where am I going with all of this? I think the banks obviously have to integrate into whatever sort of system we've got going here. And yeah. and as that as that structural change occurs, even if it goes towards, you know eventually towards bitcoin hopefully or maybe mm. maybe more towards the cbdc's it's mm. it's going there's going to be um it's going to open the space up i think and then and then it'll be up to the marketplace to decide and consumers to decide which which sort of aspect that they want to use but i just it, it's not a question of like oh the banks are definitely screwed as a result of this it's just that for the first time in a long time they're going to find themselves with a, a far more serious competitive threat and b- very big structural changes, one way or the other, however it sort of goes, mm. which which just opens them up to to error and mistake and vulnerability. I think that's true. Mate, let's let's move on. Uh, oh, by the way, we will talk about Bitcoin in an upcoming episode. I will actually ask you more about CBDCs or central bank digital currencies. So uh, can you think gap on for that one, mate? But uh, if you sure. are curious, dear listener, uh, we will talk a bit about that as well as talking about Bitcoin uh, or crypto generally because they're all the same thing. As Andrew well knows, uh, <laughs> if only you could see the look on his face. <laughs> uh, mate, let's, let, I, I want to talk quickly about energy prices. Um, and I I guess I just, you know, it's been a really, goodness knows what will happen by the time this, gets, this podcast goes out or by the time you listen to it. But in the last two weeks, we've heard talk of capping gas prices. And now in the last couple of days, I think only yesterday, seriously, we saw the government start to talk about capping coal prices. And I just wanted to... I guess throw the conversation, just trying to explore the conversation. Uh, I don't have a really, really strong view. I'll, I'll, I'll give you my sense of where we start, where I think we are, what some of my thoughts are. I'll get yours, and I have no idea on your thoughts, mate. So we'll, we'll see where we end up. Um, but I'll just quickly set the scene, if, if you don't mind. The, the government is saying, and, and I think with some validity, that energy prices, particularly for low-income earners, are not only too high, but are going to go higher. We saw in the Treasury estimates during the last budget that I think it was 56% was supposed to be the increase over 2023 for energy prices. Now, if you are a low-income earner, if you're on welfare, if you're on a, a lower wage, um, trying to absorb that, by the way, if you also got a mortgage, trying to absorb that as well, is seen in economic terms, and it has to. we have to include political terms because it's part of the conversation, as un, unsustainable. Uh, Labor was stupid as... Uh, oppositions tend to be and governments are too in making a promise that energy prices would be lower under labor it was dumb because they can never control the price of energy it was just a stupid thing to do but they made a rod for their own back by saying it will be lower and now the government's got the opposition's got a, a, <laughs> a lovely little line they can use every single time energy prices go up and anytime it becomes a, a talkback radio or or newspaper or social media issue uh, you said you'd make price lower where are they why aren't they lower so there's a there's an economic question for the uh, for the government around, you know, can people afford these prices? What do we or should we do as a matter of public policy? Then there's the political angle on top of that. And these are really difficult challenges because in theory, at least, these higher prices are transitory. Um, apparently, that's a, a triggering word for people. Transitory is around inflation. I think it's one of those kind of political words. So mm-hmm. bear with me if you if you don't like that word. Um, you know, in theory, supply and demand should sort itself out. There's no reason why post some point geopolitical restability or something else uh, or just simply more supply whatever whatever there's no reason why prices need to stay at these elevated levels but they are right now 
And governments have little in the way of options. They can provide cash payments for people who are doing it tough and say, here you go, your, your energy price has gone up, we'll help you fund that through a cash payment, a tax decrease, a welfare increase or something. They can do that. Uh, they can, in theory, absorb some of it, which the UK government did, which was dumb. And they said, we, we'll effectively pay the overs. Uh, which is one option. So we say, look, you've got to pay X dollars a kilowatt hour or X dollars a, a litre or X dollars whatever. We will pay the extra. That's one option. And the third option is to say to the companies, you may not charge more than X. Now, there's, maybe there's other options you might come up with, mate. I haven't got any others, but they're the three. Um, I, for working from the middle out, I think the the idea of government giving effectively blank checks to energy companies is remarkably stupid. And we, sure, we saw that happen in the UK Um with Liz Truss doing that, it, you know, obviously meant, meant the end of her um, reign as, as Prime Minister, the end of Kwasi Kwarteng's role as Chancellor of the Exchequer, and it was just dumb political. Because you, you, you start, you give a blank check. Imagine saying to an energy company, charge whatever you want, we'll pay the extras. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. do you, yeah, yes, okay, yes, mm-hmm. we'll do that for sure. So then you've got the question of, do you cap it or do you give people some cash? The problem with capping it is it turns out it's unconstitutional, or at least if you do it, you've probably got to make good the gap. So if you say to a coal company, you may not sell coal for more than X, you've then got to compensate them for that. And and funnily enough, the, for those who've watched The Castle, on just terms is exactly the phrase that means that not only can Daryl Kerrigan keep his house, but uh, but coal companies and energy companies, if you say to them, we're going to cap your prices, like, well, okay, you've got to make us good for the difference, which is basically the same thing as Liz Trust in the end. It's basically saying, hey, we'll pay the overs. We will, we will cover the difference between the price we're letting you charge and whatever price you otherwise could have charged, which is mm. kind of the same thing as the blank check, which leaves me personally, if you believe that economically and politically we have to do something, I think the only reasonable option is actually a cash handout. And, and I say that not not happy with cash handouts, generally speaking, but economically, it seems like the cheapest, most feasible, most reasonable, most efficient way of actually dealing with the problem if you if you accept, and I, th- I do accept, that we have one. What are your thoughts? Oh, it's hard. I, I, it, the frustrating thing is, is that we have to, find a solution to a problem that we created ourselves. That's, <laughs> yeah, there is that. that is the massive annoyance who's here. The, who's the we here? Australia, gas companies, the, gov- the, the world? Gov- we the people in, via our elected representatives. Right, okay. And what we did is that we, we all of us who mm-hmm. live on this wide brown land, have all these incredible resources under the ground. And some companies come in and say, we would like to drill that, please, and, and make some money. And go, like, absolutely, you can do that. You should do that. That's going to create jobs. It's going to create economic activity. It gives us energy. It's good for everyone, you know. Some environmental issues, okay, but let's put that to one one side. But <laughs> you, you, you still at the same time, it's at that mm. point that you say, as other countries and Norway in particular have done, is you say, right, the first thing is, is you've got to guarantee domestic supply. That's, that's mm. the first thing. So you only get to sell what's beyond what anything that, that we need. Uh, secondly, we're going we're gonna, to um, we're gonna charge you quite a, quite a bit for it as well. And I think you do it. It's a natural, again, if you're a market, free market capitalist, as, as I generally am, you would find that they would reach a point where there still makes a hell of a lot of economic sense to go ahead. So you've got a, mm. you've got a private company out there that's more than happy to do it because they're going to make squillions of dollars. Yeah. And you've got us in a situation where we've got all the uh, gas that we need from this particular project and a whole and a lovely stream of royalties forever and ever as well. So it, it's just it, they're in this terrible place because they're afraid to tear up the contracts. It, it's always worth mm. remembering you can do that. <laughs> Mm. people they're all human constructs that are made up and they contracts get torn up all the time it it sets horrible precedents and there's there's all kinds of consequences but sovereigns can do that you know and and maybe that would have you know i'm not suggesting that that they should but that we find ourselves with even contemplating that situation because such bad bad structure at the start of it and and what frustrates me is as well is that we're doing it for new projects you know, someone comes in with the promise of creating a few jobs. And by the way, a lot of these projects, once they're up and running, really don't employ a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and they let, they let them have everything. You know, we get, we get such a bad deal because we negotiate on such uh, with, I don't know, just not a lot of, lot of smarts. So it's, I think too often the argument gets distilled down to, you know, whether it's a socialist or, or, or pure free market mm-hmm. sort of uh, lens that you want to take to it. But... I think it's you, you can you can you can have it both ways. Just like let's do an economic transaction that also folds in some sovereign security and 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 benefit, <laughs> and 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 you can mm-hmm. make some money. I don't know. It, 
We, you, we, we're bad. We're, our government is bad at negotiating with private enterprise, whether it's toll roads, mm. whether it's this, whether, you know, million examples. I, I kind of... <sighs> I'm really, I, I, this, I find it really, really challenging, mate, for the same reasons you have. I, I, it's a clash of ideology and philosophy, mm. even internally in my own mind, not, not just between me and somebody else. Um, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure whether we benefit as a, as a society writ large from capping the price of a product you could otherwise sell overseas for more. Mm. You know, we, we've, we've, I don't know if you remember when you were a kid, we had caps on bread and milk prices. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just the government had to decide whether bread or milk could go up. And it was just, it, become, it becomes its own problem, right? It, and I, 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 at some point, we, we, we centrally know we really planned that, right? price. Centrally planned pricing is not right. a, a good so, idea. I so think you, it's you've got the option to use royalties, resource rents. You've got the opportunity to use corporate tax rates. I'm just not sure whether... I, I, I really don't know, Matt. I really don't know. I, I'm not sure whether if, we, if you've got an Australian business and they want to start a business here and pay their taxes and employ their people and pay their resource rents and everything else, and maybe if we, maybe if we move it outside, maybe talk about wheat, for example, right? The same kind of thing or, uh, or something else we might export. Mm. Do we really want to say you must sell a certain amount of this at a certain price in Australia? Uh, as opposed to getting the best price you can on the world market, being as successful as you can, being as big and and you know whatever as you can, uh, you, you know the 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 wheat the wheat grower who says I can actually create more economic value for the country. Now, how we spread it is a really good question. That's that's the so what. But I'm not sure. I wouldn't say to the wheat grower, go and sell your wheat where you can get the best price for it here or overseas. Knock yourself out. We will make sure that the taxes, rates, resource rents, whatever else you pay are fair for the country, and we'll make sure that get that benefit gets spread appropriately around the country. I've, I'm big on a sovereign wealth fund, as you know. Um, I just, I just don't know whether whether there's an economic benefit and whether we net net. You know, everyone, everyone says our lower energy prices must be better, and maybe they are. But same thing, right? If we have capped coal prices, does it does it reduce the incentive to move to solar or renewables or God, God love it, maybe even nuclear? Um, you know, do, do, do we do we actually benefit as a society by putting the artificial caps on that sort of stuff? I just don't know that we do. I really, really struggle. I don't want people not able to heat their homes or cool their homes in summer. Right? That, that's societally, we have to be able to find a way to solve that problem. But I'm not sure that involving ourselves in the commercial trade of a produced good where the regulatory settings are appropriate, I, I, it really sticks in my cry. I find it the least palatable of all. The, I'd, I'd rather honestly say to those, countries, those, those companies, we will increase the resource rents for every you know, barrel, gigajoule, uh, ounce, tonne, whatever of, of, of material. We will make more money for that. Thank you very much. We'll use some of that to have a sovereign wealth fund or to pay a higher welfare supplement for energy while, while the price is over X or something else. I don't know. Just capping the price feels like the easiest political solution, but maybe maybe the very worst possible other than just unlimited funding, I suppose. Um, the worst ideological, yeah. philosophical, regulatory outcome. I don't yeah, know. and I, I want to be clear. I I, I'm, not, I'm not suggesting an arbitrary price cap or anything like that. I'm just, uh, I'm just talking about negotiating with strength here you you've yeah. yes, you've got what yeah. someone else wants right yeah, exactly you, oh, that's resource rents 101 we we like, have oh, we have the asset yeah. it's ours yes, it's all correct, of correct. ours and and yes. so i'm not i'm not saying that you know don't do anything with it or we need to sort of socialize a workforce and and get them to do it yeah. no like let let yeah. let the free market do its do its thing but you get to set the ground rules at the start and entrepreneurs and business people will make the choices, is it worth it? Is is the risk-reward trade-off? And there is a line somewhere between those two points where we all win. And I, it's, a, you know, it's a theoretical line. No one will know exactly where it is. But at this point in time, the, 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 the extraction companies get the far better deal than, than we do. Yep. And 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 is it, is it good? You know, net net overall, I, I'd say no. I'd say probably not. If if we're we've given, it's like if I if I've got a car and I sell it to you at far less than market rates. I've just why would yeah. I've done myself a disservice by unless I unless I want to do you a favor. I've done myself a massive disservice. And why would why do we want to do favors to foreign multinational companies? I, I think babe, we've got the car. They want it. Let's negotiate the best damn price that we can for our own self interest. And if they don't like it, then fine. We've, we're either unreasonable and we won't find any buyer, in which case we need to pay back our expectations, or someone out there in the free market will go, yeah, 
That's a good deal. I'll, I'll take that. And that's exactly what Norway has shown because they charged insane prices, insane kinds of conditions around it all. And the oil companies grumbled and grumbled and grumbled. And guess what? At the end of the day, they came and they, <laughs> and it was profitable for them, you know? Yeah. So, <clears throat> you don't- you don't you you don't rely rely I think um, I don't know mm. they've they've got a very they've got a very good PR um, apparatus around them these companies and they make it sound <laughs> I remember when the when the resource rent tax was last being debated and stuff and it makes it sound like your super is going to zero if this thing is introduced mm-hmm. you know it's it, people miss the bigger picture I think yep no I love that man I think that's ex- and I, I, that's my that's my point. I, I think we need to solve the energy pro- the energy price problem in the short term for those who can't afford it. Yep. I don't deserve or need, I, I take one because, you know, throw me on money, I'll take money. I don't need a subsidy. I don't need my energy price capped in and of itself. I, don't need the, I certainly don't need the taxpayer's money used for that. Mm. Uh, I think, as you say, we're not getting a fair deal in terms of the economic return for the country from that extraction. Mm. That's different from how we should set the retail prices in my mind. Yeah. I mean, we just, I think we so often forget, it's such a basic statement, but we always talk about the government. It's like, well, it's kind of us, right? Like we've got- yeah, to- <laughs> that's right. Oh, that drives me we're nuts. Putting, we're putting these media. people there. We do have a oh. say in this. And if, you know, there's there's some things that are worth paying attention to. I just, I don't know. Can I, can I rant quickly, mate? The uh, When we talk about the balanced budget and I, I talk about, you know, okay, well, maybe we need stage three tax cuts taken off the table because the budgets are structurally unbalanced, right? And that's a that's a political statement. It's a philosophical view. It's an ideological statement. It's not a party political one, but it has political implications. Mm-hmm. And people say, no, no, no. Well, if, if they can't stop, they should they just stop, should stop spending or spend less. And I'm like, okay, I'm open to that conversation. Mm. But until they do, making the budget worse with more tax cuts is not doable. Well, they will just have to find a way. It's like, well, it, it, it's not they. Like, you know, whatever they do on our behalf, mm. we're left with, right? Our kids are left with. Yeah. Saying, well, they should just, your point about, you know, they should just spend less or, you know, or, well, they won't use the money better well enough, so I should have it. It's like, but you know, it's going to create a bigger deficit, right? And that's our deficit, our debt. Like, it's not, the, the, the government's not them. There's no separate party, which is, you know, if the government goes to hell in a handbasket, the whole country suffers. There, there is no there is no separation of us and them at a, at a national, international level. Oh, I think people yes, miss there the, are, the significance of, of that degree of pain too. Like, yeah, there are yeah. decisions that are made that can, you know, and they, again, talk about like a lag effect. They take ages yeah. to sort of yeah, bubble, yeah, yeah. bubble through. But, and, but also on the, on the positive side, I mean, we always talk about sort of the Hawke-Keating years and stuff where yeah, yeah. a whole bunch of really great economic reform was done. And it actually, mm. you know, I wouldn't, again, not to over-egg the pudding, but it, it laid a big part of the foundation for a lot of Australia's prosperity that came mm-hmm. after that from a few smart decisions, you know. And so the kind of stuff you're talking about, it feels a bit esoteric and, oh, yeah, you know, everyone's got, I, I guess, a, a little bit of a view on what gas prices should be, mm, but these mm. these are huge implications that yep. that 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 ripple for many 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 years. So, yeah, <clears throat> it's it's for, and it's I, I guess it's I guess it's um mm. maybe there's a media um finger or you can point the finger at the media there mm. or just mm. natural mm. human complacency or just the very complicated <laughs> issues that are hard to understand and with no easy answers. I don't know. I don't know. It's frustrating. All of the above. Mate, uh, I reckon we've pretty much run out of time, unfortunately. Will you come back on Sunday and do a mailbag with me? You know I will. I look forward to it. By the way, there is a Bitcoin episode coming up. Make sure you stay tuned for that one over the Christmas break. Uh, if you want to have your questions answered, hit us up. You can follow us also on the socials. You really should follow Andrew at Sage underscore Simeon and at Strawman Invest exclusively on Twitter. Uh, you can grab me on Twitter or Insta at TMF Scott P. The Motley Fools at The Motley Fool AU. You can get me on Facebook forward slash Scott Phillips money or on Mastodon at Scott Phillips at Mastodon.au. Andrew's still laughing at me. Uh, and of course, uh, you can email us info, I-N-F-O at fool.com.au. Please do. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love you to follow us and interact with us on those platforms. It's just fun. Uh, it's always more fun when it's interactive. This podcast is pretty one way, although we love our mailbag and we'll do some of that for you on Sunday. Until then, full on. Cheers. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. The Motley Fool operates under Financial Services Licence 400691.